Well, it is so great to be with you today, to be able to worship with you today. Again, if this is your first time with us at Faith, my name is Joe, and I am so excited to be with you, and I'm so honored to be invited into your home. Uh, those of you who are watching with us online right now, just a couple um, quick shout-outs to those of you who are watching, to Brees in Jackson, um, to Brian and Erica in Texas, and to Jacqueline in Virginia. I just want to especially welcome all of you, as well as all the rest of you who are joining us from all over and get to be a part of faith. I'm so excited that we have you here today, and I'm so excited that we get to be in worship together. Now, one of the things that I always look forward to at Christmas time is the chance to gather together. And I don't know about you, but so I'm at the age right now, for some of you will be able to understand this and relate to this. So, you know, my kids are, our kids are adults. So I'm looking forward to those years of, of grandkids and all the excitement of the presents and the paper running around and being thrown all over the place. For those of you who are grandparents already, I am insanely jealous, and I look forward to those days. And I love playing games together. I love getting together when we get together as a family. We're able to have the chance to do that. Um, but one of the things, one of the games that I never liked to play when I was a kid growing up um, was Simon Says, right? You know Simon Says. Simon Says is pretty simple, right? Um, you, you just don't do anything uh, unless Simon tells you to, to do it, uh, right? And see, for me, that was actually the easy part. Um, because the truth is, I actually like to follow the rules, right? I kind of like to know um, what's expected of me. And, and then I, I like to, to meet those expectations. But see, the problem is many times um, for us, right, we kind of approach our, our, our connection to God or our understanding of how God sees us and how we see God. We kind of end up approaching that a whole lot like Simon says, except um, what we do is we play Jesus says, right? Jesus says go to church. Jesus says pray. Jesus says read your Bible, right? Now come over here. Uh-oh, Jesus didn't say, right? Jesus didn't say come over here. And see, the hard part is when we end up approaching um, our, our relationship with God, um, like Jesus says, oftentimes we end up in the exact situation that I ended up when I was a kid, which is I stopped playing um, because the truth is I kind of just got bored of doing these random arbitrary things that Simon uh, felt like telling me to do. Right? In fact, maybe the reason you're not in church, maybe um, the reason you walked away from church for a while, maybe the reason um, why you kind of stepped out of church for a, a season of your life is because um, you just kind of got tired of doing all these random arbitrary things and you didn't understand, right? You didn't understand why, why God would tell you to do or not do certain things. Or maybe for you, you just weren't any good at it. Right? You didn't like to follow the rules. You didn't like to play the game. And so you just said, you know what, I'm out. I just can't do this. I can't, I can't play um, this silly game. Now, listen, if that's you, if that has ever been you, if you've ever had that feeling or that experience before, I am so glad that you're with us today um, because I have some great news for you. I have some great news for you. When Jesus, in fact, this is one of the reasons I, I want you so badly to, to read your Bible and to understand your, your Bible, especially the Gospels. When Jesus came into this world, the furthest thing from his mind was trying to get any of you or any of us to spend the rest of our lives playing this great big game of Jesus says, right? Jesus did not come into this world to give us a, a bunch of random, arbitrary things that we were supposed to do. In fact, um, Jesus came into our world to invite us into a relationship with God um, that is not based at all on behavior, but rather rather on this whole idea of belonging. In fact, if you were to just start with kind of a blank slate, 
right? If you were just to kind of uh, come to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and just, um, just take those in for what they're saying to you, one of the things that you would discover um, everything that you, is that everything that Jesus told us about God, everything that Jesus says to picture or to think about God, all of it, right, all of it is just so incredibly relational, right, which is it's why as a church um, we, we want everybody to experience, not just us here, not just you watching online, we want everybody in the world to experience a, a relationship with God that is defined by that personal connection, it's why we say um, that as a church, our, our vision, right, our vision is to bring Jesus into every relationship because we don't, we're not content to just be connected to God ourselves. We want everyone in the world, we want everyone in the world to experience that personal connection to their heavenly father because what you discover when you read the gospels, what becomes crystal clear is that Jesus really believed that everybody could have a relationship with God. That Jesus was for everybody being in a relationship with God. In fact, the only people Jesus is ever against in the Gospels, ever, are people who get in the way of other people who actually want to be in a relationship with God. And so consequently, when you read the gospel, the striking things is that Jesus uses all these very, very um, relational word pictures to help us understand what it means to be connected to or attached to or, or to, to experience, how we're to, to approach God. In fact, he uses a bunch of these pictures over and over again. Jesus talks about the connection between a, a father and a child. Right? And he says, okay, no, um, God is not the reflection of your father. He says, no, God is actually the perfection of father. Other times when Jesus is speaking, he says, no, it's, it's kind of like, like the connection between a vine and, and a branch. And, and, and the vine doesn't yell at the branch and say, branch, do this, or branch, do that, or branch, don't do that. The, the vine doesn't do that, Jesus would say. No, the, the vine, it just, it just gives life. That's all the vine does. The vine just, it just gives life to the branch. In fact, the only thing the branch needs to do is just remain connected. The branch just needs to remain connected to the vine, and the vine will provide everything that the branch needs. Other times, Jesus would talk about this, um, this connection between um, a shepherd and, and sheep. And this one's difficult for us because we don't know anything about shepherds or, or sheep. But see, in the first century, this was huge because everybody knew that the entire life of a shepherd, the entire purpose of a shepherd, right, everything about a shepherd um, was just about caring for the sheep. In fact, Jesus goes on and, and he elaborates on this and he says, my sheep, right, my sheep, they actually... My sheep actually hear my voice, and they recognize me, right? There's a lot of sheep in the world, Jesus would say, but my sheep, the ones who are connected to me, they, they hear my voice, and they move in my direction. Everything that Jesus taught about God, everything he wanted us to picture or to think about God as we thought about God, all of it was just, was just intensely relational, which means for all of us, right, for all of us, this is so huge, that if we approach God, if we approach spirituality, if we try to interact with God in a way um, that is anything less than, than having a relationship with him or anything more than being in a relationship with him, then listen, we have actually missed the primary way that Jesus not only wants us to experience our Heavenly Father, 
but that Jesus wants us to, to invite other people to experience their heavenly father, right? That as followers of Jesus, our job isn't to try to explain Jesus. No, our job is to simply invite other people to experience Jesus. It's to simply say, come and see, right? Come and see, come and see. This, this man who, who has changed every part of my life, just come and see the, the, this person who, who has impacted me in the deepest way. I don't know that I can answer all your questions, I, and it's not going to quote-unquote change you instantaneously. I, I just want you to come and see. And, and the thing for me that is so absolutely unbelievable about Jesus, in fact, this is more amazing to me now, I'll be honest, in 2022 than I think it ever has been at any other point in my life, is that Jesus, he, he literally invited every different type of person imaginable into a relationship with himself. I mean, think about it. Rich people, poor people, religious people, irreligious people. People who are on the far left and, and people who are on the far right. And to all of them, right, to all of them, he says the exact same thing. He just simply says, follow me. Right, follow me. I just want you, I just want you to follow me. And so today, I want us to look at one of the amazing stories in the Gospels where Jesus extends this invitation. And if you are new to church, if you're new to Bible study, if you're new to reading God's Word, if you're new to understanding or learning about Jesus, you're going to love this story. For those of you who have been following Jesus a long time, for many of you this story is going to be familiar. I just want you to slow your, if that's you, I want you to slow your brain down for a minute and not like jump to the end of the story story once we start reading the story. In fact, what I would love is for all of you, especially those of you who are new to this, if you have a Bible at home and you didn't bring it with you today, um, when you leave today, if you would go home and you find this story and reread it in your own Bible and then kind of underline some of the things that we're going to talk about together today, this is just a short story. Um, but it is an amazing story because um, this story is found in the book of Matthew. And this is Matthew telling us his story, right? So this is really cool because this is, um, this is kind of a, a little autobiography. It's Matthew telling us about Matthew. And Matthew tells us that one day um, Jesus, Jesus went from where he was and, and he came and he saw a man named Matthew who was sitting at a tax collector's booth. And, and listen, um, the only people, right, the only people who would ever dare sit in a tax collector's booth were tax collectors, and again, if you know, if you're familiar with this story, then you know how, how despised these people really were in their, in, in their world. In fact, in our world today, especially in 2022, it's really hard. Um, I, I tried to think really hard this week about, you know, what a, a modern-day equivalent um, w would be that would kind of elicit that same emotional response in, in us that, um, that Jesus, the people in Jesus' day would have had. And, and the, um, the, the best picture I could come up with is if you're to picture that in the individual, um, you know, who owns one of those little hotels, you know, every once in a while you're driving around and, and you see these little hotels on the side of the road and you think to yourself, like, like how do they stay in business? Like, I mean, because nobody, I mean, nobody would actually, nobody would stay the night in one of these places, right? You drive by these places and you think to yourself, like, nobody, nobody actually stays the night. So, like, how do they stay open? What is the person who owns this place? Like, what are they doing 
to keep this business operating day in and day out? Like, what's going on? And you think about that, that situation and that individual and what they do, and you think to yourself, like, disgusting, right? Like, I mean, who would really do that? I mean, really? For money? You, you would do that? And see, that's close, right? That's close, because, see, in Jesus' day, right, in the first century, the, the only the tax collectors, they, they, were, they, they were absolutely despised because they were Jewish people collecting money for Romans from Jewish people. And so, as we're going to see a little bit later on in the story, the only people who would spend time with tax collectors were other tax collectors. Right, so Matthew, and again, you've got to picture this story as we read through it together today. As Matthew is sitting in his little tax collector's booth, right, um, he, he doing the very thing, right, he's doing the thing that he is hated for. And Jesus sees Matthew, and Jesus starts walking towards Matthew. And Jesus, there's, you know, you think about this, as he's heading towards Matthew, there's so much that Jesus could say to Matthew in this moment. Like, he could walk up to Matthew and say to Matthew, you know what, Matthew, I bet you your parents are so proud. Like, I bet you they, you just, you probably make your parents so happy. The, the life that you've chosen, the profession you've chosen, I bet your parents are thrilled with what you've decided to spend your life doing, right? That's on the nice side of what Jesus could have said to Matthew that day. And remember, Jesus is already famous at this point. Right, he's already done miracles. I mean, Jesus has already, Matthew tells us, he's already cast demons out of people. Right? He's already, he's already famous. He, he is a rabbi. So he has taught in the temple. He, he has taught publicly in the synagogues all throughout Jerusalem. So this isn't just Jesus following. This is Jesus and a crowd of people who are walking behind Jesus, all heading straight for Matthew. And I mean, put yourself in Matthew's spot for a moment. I mean, imagine what's going through his head as he sees this famous rabbi kind of walking towards him with this entourage of people following. I mean, imagine the things that have been said to Matthew. Imagine the things that have been said about Matthew. And imagine sitting there hearing all this and thinking all this, knowing it's all true. Right? All, it's all true. Every last word. I mean, of all the things that Jesus Jesus could have said and would have been justified in, in saying to Matthew at, at this point, Jesus just looks at Matthew in his tax collector's booth and he looks at him and he says, okay, follow me. Follow. 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 Just follow me. And I would imagine, right, and the, and the scriptures don't tell us this, and so I'm, I'm making this up, so you can think I'm wrong if you want. That's fine. I, I have to believe, as I picture this, this event, I, I have to believe there's like an audible gasp, right, from the people who were actually with Jesus at, at, at this point, right? Like Peter's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Jesus. Listen, hang on. If this guy follows you, then that means he's with us. And listen, I am not with him. Right? I mean, Peter had to be thinking that. And they had to be thinking to themselves, okay, wait a minute, this, this can't be, right? it can't be that simple, right? You can't, did, did you just hear, I mean, did you hear what he, Jesus, did he really just say, follow me? Is that really what Jesus just said? I mean, come on, he's a rabbi. 
Right? This invitation to follow Jesus, this isn't like some informal, hey, let's hang out and get shawarma together sometime. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, no, this is a formal invitation. I'm inviting you, Matthew, to associate yourself with me. And Matthew, I just want you to know from this point forward, I am going to associate myself with you publicly. Right? And again, here, here's all, you know, what Jesus, Jesus didn't say. Right? Jesus didn't say to Matthew, Matthew, listen, if you're willing to, to, to blank... Right, then you can, you can follow me. Matthew, if you're willing to start. Matthew, if you're willing to stop. Matthew, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a little project to work on for a couple of weeks. And I'm going to come back here, you know, in a few days. And I'm going to check in with you. And Matthew, if you've completed, right, he doesn't say any of that. He just looks at Matthew and says, okay, follow me. Follow me. Now, here's what we're going to discover together over the course of these series for the next few weeks. This is literally the exact same invitation, right? It is the exact same invitation that Jesus makes to all kinds of different people all throughout the Gospels, right? Regardless of their background, regardless of their life experience, regardless of their past. And see, if this is, if this is surprising to you, right, the truth is this was shocking, this was shocking to the people in Jesus' day. In fact, Matthew goes on to tell us how surprising it is because he gives us this very surprising detail because he tells us that while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, again, you've got to picture this. Like We're at the tax collector's booth and we're talking and now time out, Jesus, we're going to go to his house and have dinner? And if you think Peter and the rest of the guys had a problem with Matthew just following them around, I mean, this was like, Jesus, come on, we cannot go to his house. We're going to get, like, tax collector cooties. Like, Jesus, you can't, you can't really be serious. Like, we're not, we're not really going to go in there, are we? And see, this is the same invitation. If you know the story of Zacchaeus, same thing. Right? Tax collector. Jesus does this repeatedly. In fact, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, right? Jesus says to Zacchaeus, hey, Zacchaeus, I want, to go, I want to go to your house today. I want to go someplace familiar to you, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, I actually want to go someplace that's familiar to you. And I get it. Going to what's familiar to you, that might ruin my reputation. But Zacchaeus, that's what's going to give me the chance. It's what's going to give me the opportunity, perhaps, to save yours. And see, Matthew's only friends, right? Matthew's only friends. His only friends were other tax collectors. This is what makes what Matthew tells us so shocking because when they're at, Jesus house, at, at Matthew's house having dinner with Jesus, Matthew tells us that many, right, many tax collectors and, and sinners, they came and ate with Jesus and his disciples. Matthew's only friends were other traitors to Israel or they were sinners, meaning that these are people who had been formally thrown out of the temple, right? So even if they wanted to somehow, you know, pay for their past or, or somehow restart or reconnect with God somehow, they were not allowed to go to the temple and make a sacrifice. And so for all of these people at Matthew's house that day, it really was literally eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And when we die, we know where we're going and it ain't good. In fact, it's far less good than what we're experiencing in this world right now. So we might as well, we might as well just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. And when we die, what we're going to experience, it is not going to be this good. So we might as well live it up and enjoy it as long as we can. And everybody, 
Everybody at Matthew's house that day, they're all tax collectors. They're all sinners. And in the middle of them is Jesus, right? And Jesus, right, his followers at this point are looking around. And they're like, okay, this is really bad. How did we get into this situation? We should not, Jesus, we should not be here right now. Why are we doing this? What is going on? Have you, Jesus, have you lost your, have you been in the sun too long? Jesus, what is happening right now? And see, listen, the, let me tell you why this is such a big deal, okay? And if you're new to church, if you're new to, to trying to connect and understand who God really is, if you're skeptical about all this because perhaps of how you were treated in the past or maybe your family was treated in the past, maybe um, someone or a group of someones who, who have called themselves Christians, how they treated maybe even your parents in the past, if you're um, if that's you at all, this is so important. Please do not miss what I'm about to say. Jesus was extraordinarily comfortable. Jesus actually liked the people who were nothing like Jesus. And apparently, because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell us this. Apparently, they, those people who were nothing like Jesus, they liked Jesus back. Which means if you are not a religious person, you're not a church person, Right? And if you feel anything but love and acceptance by us, understand that is our fault. That is not our Savior's fault. Jesus would never be put off by your sin. Jesus would never be uncomfortable around you even though he knows your thoughts. Jesus would never be afraid to be seen with you even though my reputation might actually ruin his. Which is exactly... In fact, that is exactly the reason why Jesus was able to look at Matthew that day and say to Matthew, Matthew, follow me. Just follow me. But see, when the Pharisees, Matthew tells us, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked Jesus' disciples, why? Right, picture this. Why? Why does your teacher... Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? In other words, we're confused. Listen, he, he's a rabbi, we're rabbis. Right? He worships God, we worship God. Right? He's a law keeper, we're law keepers. Why is it that, that your teacher, Jesus, why is it that he has lots in common with us, but he chooses? He, he chooses. He chooses to invite people to be with him that are nothing like us. Why? Matthew tells us that Jesus hears the commotion going on. Right? You can hear the discussion that's happening just outside of the party. And so again, you've got to picture this in your mind. Jesus stands up and he walks out to where the Pharisees are. And he looks at the Pharisees and he actually says to the Pharisees, he says, listen, it is not the healthy. Right? It's not the healthy. You've heard this. It is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. Now, you've heard this before, but imagine being Matthew in this moment. I mean, think about this, right? I, I, if I was Matthew and, and I just heard Jesus say that, I, I would have been like, okay, Jesus, are you saying, are you saying I'm sick? Is that what's going on, Jesus? Are you saying I'm sick? And see, as I, and I think Jesus, I think Jesus would have just looked at me and I think he would have smiled. He would have been like, Joe, come on, you're a tax collector. Like, of course, 
Like, of course you're sick. Right? Because we know. I mean, come on. We know, don't we? We're sick. We know. I mean, come on, parents. How many times have you broken the very rules you ask your kids to keep? Right, dads? Husbands? How many times do you speak to your wives in the very same tone of voice? You, you tell your children, never use that tone with your mother. How many times do we do that? How many times at work do we actually say to the people who work for us not to do something and then we turn around and we literally go and do the exact thing that we told that person or those people not to ever do? Right? We, we break our own rules, don't we? And so we know, right? We, we know that we've broken God's rules, right? We know there's a gap between us and him, right? We, we, we know this. You don't need a preacher to tell you. You don't need me to tell you this, right? We know if there's a judgment where we're in trouble. We know if the standard is Jesus that all of us fall short. And yet Jesus was so incredibly comfortable, right? So incredibly comfortable with the sinners and the tax collectors that he could actually say, listen, no, I'm here to be with the sick because I have come. The whole reason I have come is for the sick. And see, maybe, I don't know, maybe Matthew was thinking in that moment, maybe what you're thinking in this moment. Which is that's a little hard to hear. Might be even a little offensive, maybe. But if I'm honest, it's it's true. If it's if I'm honest, it, it is true. I mean, I, I do need something. I, I do need someone. I mean, I, 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 do, I, I do need, I, I do need help. If I'm honest, I can admit it. I, I do need help. And see, that's actually the moment. That is the moment. That is the moment I, that I want all of you, I just want all of you to come and see. Because it is only, right? It, it is only the married people and the single people it's the husbands, it's the wives, it's the kids, it's the teenagers, it's the college students. It's only the people who can say, I do need help. I, I do need someone. I do need something. It is, those are the only people who Jesus actually leans in real close to and says, okay, then you, you, you. Just follow me. Just follow me. And if you think what Jesus said to, to Matthew in that moment, if you think that was a little offensive to Matthew, I mean, listen to what Jesus says to the Pharisees. This was hugely offensive. Because he looks at this group of Pharisees and he tells this group of Pharisees, okay, well, you go and learn what this means. Right? And Jesus knows that these people have, he's going to quote from the prophet Hosea. And he knows that they have literally memorized these words from the time that they were children. Right? They, they, have, they, they know these words frontwards and backwards. But what Jesus is saying to them in this moment is, you've memorized it. You have no idea how to apply it. You've read it. You're familiar with it. You have no idea what it means. And you have no idea why God actually said it. 
That's what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In other words, right, Jesus is saying this. Listen, I am not content to simply be with people who believe all the right things. And I am not content to simply be with a group of people who behave all the right ways. I'm not content to do that. That's what Jesus is saying. Instead, I actually want to partner with the people who believe the right things and the people who know how to behave the right ways in order to call. Right? In order to call. In order to call the people who know that there has to be something more to believe in this life and who wished who wished they had the ability to control how they behave. And see, let me just pause here for, for a moment. And for all of us who, again, the story is familiar to, and, and we would call ourselves followers of Jesus, I just want to make sure that we do not miss a, a couple of things, why this is so incredibly important for all of us and why we can't ever forget what it means that God desires mercy and not sacrifice. Because we dare not ever become a church. And I certainly don't want to ever pastor a church that is content to believe all the right things and behave all the right ways and just stop there. Because if we do, if that ever were to happen to us, we will find ourselves outside of the very room that Jesus wants to go into, that Jesus wants to inhabit, that Jesus is living in. As he has come to call, as he has come to call, as he has come to call those who are sick and those who are looking and hoping that there really is a savior for them, for this world, for their life. Not just a savior for somebody else's life, but no, a savior who will meet them in this life. That there has to be more to this life than just this life. We have been called, we have been given the opportunity to partner with our Savior for the sake of those who would actually acknowledge, listen, I get it, I am on the outside and I am looking in, but I am telling you, I am hoping. I am hoping that there is something more than what I personally have experienced in my life. It is not enough. It is not enough for us to believe right and it is not enough for us to behave right. In fact, the people, the group of people, the church, whatever, however you want to think about it, the group of people who is content with believing right and behaving right, eventually that is the group of people who will become Pharisees. In fact, that is the message. You read through the Gospels, this is what you discover. The message of the Pharisees is simply this, right? You change and then you can join us. Right? That's what the Pharisees said over and over and over again. You want, to change, you want to join us? Then you change. It's that simple. You change and you can join us. But Jesus came into our world and he took that message and he turned it upside down. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, please do not miss this. Jesus showed up and said, no, follow me. Follow me and you will change. You follow me, Jesus said. And I, Jesus will change you. And Matthew, we're going to go to your house today. And the Pharisee says, well, you can't go to his house. He's a tax collector. And Jesus said, listen, I don't play your silly games. I don't care if you believe the right stuff or the wrong stuff. I don't care what you're doing or not doing right now. I just want you to get up and I want you to follow me. But let me warn you, 
if you follow me long enough, one day you might look in the mirror and you may not recognize who you see. Because listen, I'm like a father. I'm like a vine. I'm like a good shepherd. And I just want you to know me. I just want you to be connected to me. I just want you to learn to rely on me. Jesus, to us today, to you watching today, is extending an invitation. It is literally the same invitation that Jesus has extended all throughout his life, all throughout his ministry for the last 2,000 years. Jesus has extended this invitation to countless people. It is the same invitation that he extends to you today. But he's extending it to us today in two different ways. To one group of you, he's saying, okay, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. You just need to stand up and you just need to start following you just need to stand up and you need to start following. To the rest of you, he would say, you've been, you've been following me for a long time. Now I want you to partner with me. I, I want you to join me. I want you to work with me. I want you to join with me for the sake of those who are learning to follow. The sake of those who are hoping that there is something more to this life than just what they have experienced in this life. I want you to follow me and I want you to partner with me. So today, as we wrap up, I want to give you four um, takeaways, four, four things to discuss. These would be great um, in, in your family, um, it, husband and wife, these would be great conversation starters for, for the two of you. Uh, boyfriends, girlfriends, this would be great things for you guys to talk about. Um, this would be a great thing if you're in a small group um, for, for you to talk about as well. Um, th these are four very, very specific uh, takeaways that I want to make sure that we do not miss as we look at this very familiar story um, or this, uh, this amazing story for, for many of us. The first is simply this, that listen, when it comes to following Jesus, being a sinner does not disqualify you from following Jesus. It is a prerequisite. It is a prerequisite to following Jesus. The only people that resisted following Jesus were the people who did not think they needed Jesus. The people who thought they already had life figured out. Those are the only people that resisted following him. Before Matthew has prayed anything, before Matthew has committed anything, before Matthew has repented of anything, before Matthew has promised anything, Jesus says, I just want you to follow me. Because listen, there is no sin. There is no sin. There is no sin. There is no habit. There is no addiction. There is no circumstance. There is no illness. There is no situation of life that puts you outside of the circle of those people whom Jesus has invited to follow. The second is this. Following, following does not mean, this is good news if you're like me, following does not mean you can't ever have any doubts. Right? In fact, one of the most amazing things when you, when you really start reading the Gospels clearly and you start paying attention to what's happening, what you'll discover, I think this is hysterical, after two and a half years of following Jesus, right, Jesus will do something and the next line in the story is like, and they believed, right? And the they is the disciples and you wonder, okay, what the heck have they been doing for the last two and a half years? Well, doubting, doubting. Because listen, when it comes to following Jesus, 
the issue, right? The issue is, is not um, the amount of your faith. The issue is the object. The issue is the object of your faith. Third, the invitation to follow is purely an invitation to relationship. Now, again, if you've been watching with us for any length of time, if you've been here for any length of time, um, we, we talk about this constantly, but maybe, again, you're here, maybe you're watching, and, and it's kind of cloudy for you. You don't understand exactly what an invitation to relationship means. Here's what it means. If you're married, you will especially understand this. If you're married and you follow all the marriage rules, right, and the person you're married to, they follow all the marriage rules, that does not automatically guarantee you're going to have a good marriage, does it? Rules do not make a relationship. Love is what makes a relationship. The reason I keep the marriage rules is because of my love for Autumn. It's not out of obedience to her. And when my relationship with God is based on love and not fear, I am telling you, it is absolutely amazing how different your relationship with God feels. And full disclosure, listen, you start loving Jesus, you will start doing different things. In fact, for, for many of you, you're, you're going to be shocked to discover that this verse is actually in the Bible. The Apostle Paul tells us this. He says, listen, um, listen God's kindness... That is what is intended to lead you to repentance. It's not the fear of hell, right? You, you know that doesn't work. That doesn't change anything, right? It is God's kindness as demonstrated through Jesus. That is what leads to repentance, which means change, right? And how do you experience somebody's kindness? You've got to be in proximity to them, don't you? You've got to be in a relationship with them. You've got to be connected to them. And then the last thing, the fourth thing is simply this. This is the easiest one of all of them to miss. That following, following Jesus actually forces me to focus on me and not you or you or you. And see, even though this is the easiest one to miss, this is the secret sauce when it comes to church. This is what makes the church extraordinary when the church is being the church when the body of Christ actually comes together, right? This is what makes the church amazing and unlike anything else because some people who have been following Jesus a long time along with people who have been following Jesus for a short time, people with great faith and people with little amounts of faith, all of them come together, right? All of them come together to the best of their ability to, to, to move in the same direction and to create a place where other people other people are going to understand what it means to actually belong. A place where they're going to be challenged to, to believe and to hear and to follow Jesus. A place where they will actually have the, the chance or the opportunity to become a disciple. Become a follower of Jesus. A place where they know that they're loved by their heavenly father, by us, and by the people who are following Jesus right alongside with them. And see, I just want to invite you. I just want to invite you to come and see. Come and see. Come and see this man who has changed everything in our world. I want him to have the opportunity to change everything in your world. 
Let me pray for you today. Jesus, thank you for making a relationship with you so easy, so simple. Jesus, for making it so clear. Jesus, thank you for loving us the way that we are and yet at the same time loving us enough, loving us so much that you refuse to just leave us the way that you found us. In fact, Jesus, wherever we are right now, right now, wherever we find ourselves, my prayer is that as a church, as we're watching, as we're listening, as we think about what this amazing story is telling us about who you are and how you feel about us, Jesus, my prayer is that you would give us the faith that we need to respond to that invitation to follow. That you would give us the courage that we need to just stand up and not do a bunch of stuff, but just begin to follow you. Not the people around us, not the voices around us, but Jesus, that we would follow your voice. And Holy Spirit, I ask that for all of us, as we listen to the words of this song, as we hear these powerful, this powerful message of a God who knows us even before we know ourselves, who finds us even before we realize that we're lost, that we would understand that, that that is a message, that is a picture that explains who you are, Father God, as the perfect Heavenly Father who loves his children and who simply wants to be connected to him. And so we ask Jesus that as we begin and as we continue moving through this series together, that you would help us to see not only what it is that you want us to see, but who would you ask for us to invite to come and see? Just come and see.